There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Saints History, told and experienced the way God intended it, with excessive amounts of alcohol and cursing. The booze is probably bourbon because... Their alcohols are for rich women on diets. Now, here's your Drunk Saints History host, who is... Bombed out of his gourd. Welcome to another episode of Saints Drunk History. I'm already messing things up. Uh, we are joined by one of my favorites. Uh, he's my guy. We had, did an episode last year, the 2011 Saint. So this year we're doing Joe Horn. He's my guy, Scott Prather, 1420 ESPN Lafayette. He's program director, brand manager, all that. He has a uh, great sports talk show on Lafayette. He's my guy that I, I get in my listen to him on part of my drive home because it's so long. Uh, in Houston, Scott, people can find it on the interwebs. They can they can find your show and get it. I can get it on my phone, so they can get it. You're great. Uh, we did 2011 last time. This this time we're doing Joe Horn. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Jack Daniels, honey. I know people on my Twitter feed hate it, but I'm drinking it over ice, people. What do you want me to do? Uh, Scott, what are you drinking tonight? <clears throat> I just went to Circle K and picked up a cheap 32-ounce beer in a can. Yes. What I'm doing. It's the way to go, man. Cheap, cheap beer as long as, as Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace, said, as long as the beer is cold, it's good. Uh, so look, hell yeah, we, and it's still cold. It might not be cold by the end of this, but it's cold right now. <laughs> so we decided we would do player. We're gonna do Joe Horn, and Joe Horn is he's got like I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Me and Scott were kind of bullshitting before we started recording, like. Joe Horn has so much, and you forget about it. Scott, this may be two parts. I don't know. But the interesting thing about Joe Horn, even before he got to the Saints, like, his story is crazy. Like, he didn't he didn't get good. Uh, he, did, he played at junior college. He, was, he didn't play football for two years. He rented a Jerry Rice video at Blockbuster and looked at it, and then, like, did a bunch of training moves and like sent out a video and like a CFL team signed him, you know? So his story is just, um, is, 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 is unique and could almost be like a, uh, like a, like a NFL, like a lifetime movie of the week. It's, it's so, uh, it's so unbelievable. It really is. You know, he, he spends less than four bucks on this Jerry Rice workout video from Blockbuster. Signs with a CFL team, but um, but it was it was the team in Shreveport whenever they had like four teams in the U.S. in the mid 90s. Yeah. And um, the guy is such an incredible athlete. Uh, that's where he got his start. But you're right. I mean, you, you think of Vince Papali, you think of the Shreveport Lewis, Pirates. Man. Not enough people talk about Joe Horn and like how crazy his break into football was yeah like and then he like they 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 he was traded to the memphis mad dogs um which sounds like a, t- a team on an hbo football series first and oh, ten yeah. from the 80s if you're really old um so but he, he played good in memphis he had 71 catches for 1400 yards he he goes to the chiefs and he's kind of like just like a special teams dude and he played four years the thing about Joe Horn is people, and, and I I had forgotten this, is like, you know, the Saints signed him for four years, ten million, and and like this is before, you know, two thousand, like it was before the internet, so they had like message boards, but like ESPN.com and all these sites, you no, know, like they didn't have like dedicated football writers to like rip it to shreds or whatever. It was kind of like at the time, it was like the Saints signed who the fuck for. Four years, ten million dollars. What are they doing? This dude, what's what are they doing? You know, and it, it kind of like people didn't rip it, but they didn't really understand it because at the time he was twenty eight, and his best year 
was 35 catches. You know? So he this was it was like a it was a weird signing, but the Saints had like that new car smell where they had Randy Mueller and Jim Hazard, so it didn't get banged on too much because it was all new, right? All of it, right. You, you're like rock bottom at the end of the Ditka era. I mean, the team is just shit. And <laughs> they only had, you know, I think 18 or 19 holdovers from the 99 yeah. to the 2000. And they team. signed a, had all these new guys. They signed that free agency period was nuts because the Saints. Under Dick, the one thing the one thing Ditka didn't do was he didn't spend money because Kuharik just wasn't aggressive. So they had a ton of cash. They signed a dude at one point. They signed a dude. I want to say like every day for like nine straight days, which is just <laughs> fucking crazy. So it kind of got like not like lost in the shuffle, but it, but a little bit because they signed Blake and Norman Hand and Jake Reed and Glo- and Glover and a ton of guys on defense, right? So people are just going nuts. Um, and he comes in, dude, and the thing about Joe Horn, Scott, was, like, he was good fucking instantaneously. Like, it wasn't, like, a process where it took him a while, it took him a couple games. Like, he was awesome day one with the Saints. He, he was, and he was the least talk- – they, they had – you mentioned Jake Reed. That was the, the name fans recognized. They drafted – a guy named Sherrod Gideon, a receiver out of Southern Miss. More people were talking about Sherrod Gideon in that training camp than Joe Horn. And you mentioned it. The guy comes in right out the gate. And, and I think what endeared himself to the fans so much, I mean, the Saints were just, they were such shit in the Ditka era. And here comes this guy with a, with a nickname Hollywood that, that he, he got in Kansas City who likes to wear these, you know, uh, flamboyant outfits. He's got this style, but he talks so much trash. And like when you first get to the Saints and they haven't been good for a while, and you got this guy talking trash, you're like, well, Randall Hill did that, you know, and he would wear a Superman shirt, but like no one, you know, how good was he really? And Horn just he keeps talking and talking, and then he keeps backing it up, and then they start winning. So suddenly it's like, damn, our team is good. And we've got this braggadocious receiver that talks trash and can kick ass and well, is a pro he, bowler. Like the timing of, of his first year with the Saints was really a match made in heaven. And I think for a lot of fans just wanting to latch on to the Saints and, oh, my God, they're actually good. Joe Horn, you know, while more people remember Brooks and, you know, Blake's injury, Horn was, uh, you know, Horn, arguably the most yeah, integral part of that new era. It was fun, and, and, and Horn was good. Like the second, they 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 played the opening game in in, in the, the first week, and they were terrible against. Tree. They go to San Diego, and San Diego had Ryan Leaf. Joe Horn fucking catches twelve for a hundred and sixteen and two touchdowns, in, including wow. the game winner with like yeah. fifteen seconds left. And I remember him in the post game. He's like, I told you motherfuckers, we are going to be good. I'm going to be good. This is not a one time. And people were like, who is this dude? And, and the thing is, you, you couldn't say anything to him because he just caught the game with a touchdown pass and he caught 12 for 116. But, but I remember like people were like, this dude is whack. Like he's on the Saints. Like he needs to like tone it down. And it was like, he was like that his whole time. And it, like, never stopped. And that 2000, like, he was, like, he was good from the jump. And, like, the first year, I mean, you know, he catches 94 for 13, 40, and 8. And just, you know, with him and Aaron Brooks, it was pretty, but, but him on the end of the, on the end of the Jeff Blake, like, rainbow They had a connection, was, man. Was just, they had a connection. I'm not saying Blake was better than Breeze because that's just ridiculous. But as far as, like, a pretty ball, Jeff Blake probably threw the prettiest pass I've ever seen a quarterback throw. Like, his deep ball was just... It, it was just fucking majestic. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it wasn't it wasn't that he threw hard. It wasn't that he had this giant arm or whatever. It just was like a raindrop out the sky. And Joe Horn was the go-to target. I, I remember the win in Chicago when they just yep. demolished the Bears. And Cade McCown is, 
you know, threatening to, to <laughs> slap Joe Johnson in the face. And Joe looks at him like, dude, you don't want to do that. And Horn's catching these deep balls and these touchdowns, and he is just rubbing it in their face. And as a Saints fan, at that point in time, Ralph, you know it. I mean, the Don't Patrol era was a lot of fun, but it's not like it was like a long time ago, like 2000. Players. Yeah. Right. It had been a while, and you didn't have these offensive players that were just so good and would rub the other team's face in it. As a Saints fan at that point in time, you're so used to that happening to your team all the time. And now you've got this guy that wants to rep the Saints, and uh, and he embraced the fans. The fans embraced him. And, you know, this is a time where receivers, you know, the they kind of got coined, you know, diva receivers in the early 2000s. You had a lot of big personalities, right? And for some receivers, they could – have a big personality, and the team, you know, the teammates, they weren't crazy about yeah. him. I mean, that wasn't the case with Joe. Like, he he was the kind of guy, and, and I've talked to some of his former teammates. He loved, he looked, ain't no denying, guy loved the limelight. Okay, he loved the cameras. He spoke in the, you know, he spoke, he, he spoke in himself in the third person. He loved it, but when he wanted his teammates to succeed, too. So, if anything, you know, nobody on the team was going to discourage him from being him, and uh, it was the, the beginning of that marriage, uh, that, that 2000 season between Joe Horn and the Saints. It was so perfect. And, and you know, the, the, the win in the playoffs, I love. I mean, it's one of my favorite moments all time. Well, and Willie Jackson went off. But, God, Joe Horn gets hurt on the first play. Like, what what could well, he have done in that game had he, he stayed well, healthy? He, he, we'll would, never he, know. he would have. He would have burned the Rams to the fucking ground. But but even before that, like you go, I'm going through these games now as I'm as I'm drinking. And you like the thing about Joe Horn is we knew he was great, but his his antics overshadowed it. And we'll get to some specific things. But like that 2000 team, they won the playoff game. They won the, the and it was great and all that. But that team before the injuries hit them and Blake got hurt and Ricky Williams got hurt, they played San Francisco uh, mm-hmm. to get. That it won their six in a row, and they demolished San Francisco. And I remember after the game, Buddy's like, Buddy was like, I know what you you people are going to think I'm crazy and I'm a squirrel, but I'm telling you the Saints can win the NFC. And that game against San Francisco, Joe Horn had fucking 10 catches for 180 and a touchdown of 43 yards. And that Saints team, it just, they just. Take granted, San Francisco was terrible, but they cut through San Francisco, and they even had a thing where they went for it at like their own thirty-yard line, and yeah, like yeah. pissed off San Francisco. And they asked Joe Horn after it. He's like, "Whatever, stop us. This ain't the old." I forgot what he said. He said something about the old Saints that just rolled over for San Francisco. He's like, "Those days are dead, baby." And I remember being like. Fucking a, yeah, damn right you're Because sometimes Scott, when you're when you're losing, you need that dude to like interject the team and the city with like, no, 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 the losing is fucking done with. And he and and Joe Horn was that guy, and it, like, you know, the the time the, the timing was perfect. He he was that guy, and the fan base loved him. He loved the limelight. He loved the fan base, and he look. He he wasn't he didn't have for for he didn't have mental errors in games like you talk to guys that that, that play quarterback for the Saints and he was their teammate they're like you could count on Joe like he might he would showboat he, he would kind of you know showboat in practice and shit yeah. but you knew like when it came down to it in the thick of it you could count on him to go out there and make the play and I mean, um, and so that balance of being that 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 flamboyant strong personality. And also being the good teammate and being this magnetic guy that talks shit that was really good at that <laughs> position, which which is just full of strong personalities in the league. The timing was impeccable. Like the Saints needed Joe Horn at that point in time as much as Joe Horn needed the Saints. Well, and he was a good teammate. The thing is that was weird was uh, after two after two thousand and one. Yeah. Like that was weird. That, that, that was weird because the Willie Rofe rumors come out, and like the Saints don't address it, and it's just swirling everywhere. And Willie Rofe got traded to Kansas City, and Willie Rofe, when they traded to, they traded him to Kansas City for like a th- a third or a fourth well, round pick. And I mean, at the time, still, Willie Rofe was it, the best left tackle in football. Reason, 
it's the reason that Willie Rove didn't spend his entire career with the Saints, and he continued his Hall of Fame All-Pro pro career in Kansas City. It was a weird deal, and yet, I remember, dude, I remember leaving a game where the Saints got their ass whooped. It might have been the game to Washington on a Sunday night late in the season when they were already out of the playoffs and just just getting embarrassed, right? This is a one. And, um, and I remember, like, leaving leaving the game, and, and fans are talking about this. Like, a bunch of fans just openly, like, oh, yeah, I heard this, and Joe Horn impregnated Willie Rose's wife, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, your fans talk about it. Well, a month later, you know, the Times-Picayune's running this story um, with these questions. And Willie Rose, you know, here's here's Brian Alley Walsh's piece in the Times-Picayune from January 26, 2002. Let me read a little bit. Here we go. New Orleans Saints left tackle Willie Rope emerged from months of silence Thursday, saying malicious rumors about his personal life might prevent him from continuing his career in New Orleans. Rope, a seven-time Pro Bowl selection, one of the team's most popular players, missed half the 2001 season, undergo knee surgery, blah, blah, blah. Team officials have made Rope, who will turn 32 on April 18th, available to the Houston Texans in the expansion draft. Um, and then lastly, here's the, here's the quote from Willie. As you know, my marriage with Michelle has been on a roller coaster for a while. I don't know about all the rumors, but I do know what people are saying about Joe Horn and me. I talked to Joe Horn about it, and Joe said he didn't know Michelle. Michelle said she didn't know Joe. The baby looks like me. Long feet, long hands. She's a big girl, but I did take a blood test. We had it done a couple of weeks ago, so I'll find out the results shortly, but I feel comfortable the child that's- is mine. I mean, this is – that's – that's 2000 and that's January of 2000. Scott, if that happened today, as I sit here and drink, dude, it would not only would it melt Twitter, like ESPN and like national news, they would be down in New Orleans, like covering that. It might be on CNN. Like it might be a story that like breaks through the sports bubble and like goes out into like regular news. That shit is crazy. And in 2001, like, it was crazy, but it was, like, self-contained in the New Orleans because yeah. the media wasn't Dude, this, I, this. I, I, I called, like, like I was I was in college, and I heard some, like, you know, the middle of the night, one, two in the morning, some national talk show on, on, on Fox Sports Radio, and they were talking about the Saints, and I, like, called to, like, bring up this thing that had been reported in the paper, and, like, oh, no, you can't talk about that. It's like, d- today? They, they would do whole segments on it. Here's here's a quote from Joe Horn uh, on ESPN.com. We make mistakes sometimes, but that is one mistake Joe Horn did not make. I did not sleep with Willie Rose's wife. So he's he's speaking in the third person. First person. Joe, even, Joe never goes. He do, never doesn't go third person. Willie Rose's wife. Yeah. See, dude, I would so. if Joe if Joe Horn had said I didn't sleep with Willie Rove's wife, then I'd have been like, yeah, he slept with her. But because he kept in consistency and was always third person, I believe him. Yeah, he uh, and and you know the more the more that came out about that, Ralph. It, 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 crazy enough, in the end, it it did in fact look like nothing nothing happened. Like he, you know, he it didn't happen. Now who knows if he knew her or didn't know her, but it was. It was a big enough rumor to, um, you know, I. It, it was a big enough rumor to have arguably the second best player in the history of your franchise get traded for, you know, for nothing. for peanuts, for peanuts, yeah. for nothing, and, and and even even though it didn't happen, so they had to talk it out. Joe Horn, you know, it, it, it's to say like like I've heard people say he was a good teammate, and they've said some other things about Joe, which I'll get to later, but. You know, in, in talking to people that were there at the time, they all said it was crazy. It was a rumor. Um, and, you know, but but there were never any altercations. It didn't well, happen. Thing too so is- this is this is a thing of fans taking something and running wild with it. But as you said, early 2000s, I mean, these are people talking. This is this is let's let's call in to, you know, the point after. Well, I don't know. Who knows if anyone called in with it there? But let's just talk about it today. It would. Even though it wouldn't be true in, in the perception of it in fans' eyes is that somehow it'd be true and there would be signs and, and, and away teams would be heckling the guys about it. The fact that it happened back then, it just it kinda here's it, let me let me read you a few more quotes from Rope. <laughs> I can't it's sit here and say I'm an angel. I haven't had a good track record with women anyway. Some of this is my lifestyle starting to catch up with me. I haven't had a vasectomy, but I do plan on having one. <laughs> Scott, 
Haslett, Haslett had to answer questions about it at the Senior Bowl. Right? Was, here's the like, Haslett quote. I've never been in a city like New Orleans where rumors have swirled like this. It's a shame that radio talk shows can get away with promoting what amounts to nothing more than gossip and rumors and hurts families. Kids hear it, wives hear it, it's not right. We all knew there was nothing to it. Joe wouldn't do something like this. He's not that type of person. It's a shame that Willie didn't come out earlier and dispel these rumors. So Haslett calls out Rofe for not coming out and yeah, saying, like, well, I, I mean, the guy got a blood test. Like he was, he obviously had some other stuff happening he wasn't sure about. Yeah. And here's Haslett at the senior bowl throwing Rofe under the bus. Yeah, like Haslett, like Haslett handled that awfully. Like if there was it, I mean, probably awful. look. With all the stuff that was swirling around in New Orleans, Willie Rove probably just was like, I want to get the fuck out of here. And <laughs> it was it was right for him to want to just like, look, I'm having trouble in my marriage. I just want to, I just, I just, I got to get out, I got to get out and I got to start anew. But Haslett's handling of it was just terrible. Like Haslett awesome. made it to where there was no possible way it could have gotten fixed and Willie Rove could have stayed. Like Jim Haslett just, like, I don't know how he could have handled it any worse, but it was close. Like, just, just you know, it, it made it's, it's the part of the Joe Horn story that to this day some people reference as if it's true and it isn't. But you're talking about two of the most uh, decorated and popular players in the history of the franchise, and a rumor that wasn't true caused one of them. To, to be traded for nothing. And and in all honesty, as great as Joe Horn's career was, Willie Rose was better. No, Willie, <laughs> like, Willie, it's, it's nuts, Willie Rofe made two all-decade teams in the NFL first team. He made the 90s yeah. all-decade team, and he made the, the 2000s all-decade team for the NFL. That's how fucking good Willie Rofe was. So, but back to Joe Horn, like, like the thing was with Joe Horn, like, for whatever it was, man, like it didn't slow him down. Like in 2002, he he went for 1,312 yards and seven touchdowns, caught 88 balls. 2003, he gets hurt, and the thing that you that that, that you know I didn't I knew it, but I didn't realize it until you look back. Is even though Joe Horn he'd only played for the Saints for three or four years, when he's doing all this and having these. 1,300, 1,200, 1,300, 1,300 yard years. It's all in his late 20s, early 30s, Scott. Like, he's dropping his best years after the year, after he turned 30, which I know players stay in great shape now and it's, it's more, it's more likely guys can be good in their 30s. But for a receiver, it's still not guaranteed that once you hit 30, you don't decline. Look at Dez. Look, I can name a bunch of receivers that were great even in today's game that they turn 30 it goes downhill man a horn 28 29 he was just getting started which is which is just crazy to me it is some would say well maybe there's not as much wear and tear on the tires but here's what's nuts Ralph. he could have done it even longer so here's something that that a lot of people may not know about joe horn you know you've got some of these players that are so uh, particular about their diet, right? I mean, Drew Brees wrote about it in his book. <laughs> yeah. he, he he went to some dietitian, learned things, and realized, oh, now I can have all this extra energy, and I can extend my career. Blah. Joe Horn did not have a good diet, right? No. He would eat whatever the fuck he wanted. He would he did not like his diet was awful, and yet he was chiseled. He was an elite Pro Bowl wide receiver. I mean, in 04, players he was six used yards to... behind Masin Muhammad for leading the league in yard receiving yards. I mean, he was so good. And you know, four Pro Bowls in in what seven seasons with the Saints, and in uh, four in a five year stretch. He like if he had taken care of his body from a diet standpoint. I, I bet you he could have played well into his mid-30s. Like, he could have kept playing with the Saints, and we would have never had that awful, you know, one season he had to play for, the, you know, the team that, that blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. You want to hear something crazy? I got a funny story. Kenny, when I worked for Buddy D at WWL, Joe Horn had a had a, uh, a show. The Joe Horn show. I produced it sometime. There were some it, weeks I had to produce it. It was, it was at a steakhouse. Right? I can't remember the name of it. 
I was I was never there. I was always back in the studio trying to tell people that <laughs> called in that it was didn't a, want to ask a question. They just wanted to say, I just want to tell Joe he's the man. And I had to tell he, him, sorry, it was at we a can't steak, put you through for that. It was at a steakhouse, and Kenny Wilkerson had me go out there. I had to do, like, so just some minor stuff for Kenny. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Kenny, after the show, he was like, hey, Ralph, me and Joe are going to eat, sit with us and eat. And... uh and it's all comp, so I got a steak. Joe Horn, Scott, I kid you not, he got two, like, 12-ounce fillets, like, two sides, and a salad, and, like, Bordelais sauce, destroyed it. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe what I'm, this, I mean, Joe Horn is a chiseled dude, and he was buff and all that but he's not he's like he's not like a super was, big guy he wasn't like a, must be the most incredible thing ever and ever. I mean, players used to joke with him dude they're like when you retire i'm gonna see you in 10 years and you're gonna weigh like 300 pounds and joe Holm would be like we'll still, see we'll see still looks great. but like he still looks good like some people do they just i don't know if he's got like a like a thyroid issue or whatever but that dude he just could kill food but the funny thing about joe horn is like I feel like all his antics and his fun, like it overshadowed everything. Like you remember the soundbite, and I think it was two thousand, well, two thousand three, right? Is one of the things that he's most f- famous for nationally, right? Like the cell phone celebration. Like right. To right. To had done the sharpie, and Joe Horn did the cell phone, right? And it was a giant spectacle, and you know To said, "Oh, you copied me," and blah blah blah. The Saints won that game. Um, forty-five to seven. I was there. I mean, they, they crushed them. They crushed. But them. here's here's the thing. Like, it probably overshadows. Maybe, I think you can argue the greatest game yeah. by a Saints receiver that's ever been had, and it was Joe Horn. But, it was incredible. Statistically, all they remember he, he couldn't be stopped. All they remember is the cell phone. Right? He caught nine for one hundred and thirty-three. And four fucking touchdowns. And I bet you 99% of Saints fans, if you ask them Joe Horn's best game, they don't remember that. You say, what did Joe Horn do the night he pulled out the cell phone? Saints would be like, I have no fucking clue. And it's like, you can, I think you can argue that it's the greatest game by a Saints receiver in the history of the team. And yet, no one will remember. They'll just, that, that, that Sunday night game was really. So that was, I think that was the week before the River City Relay and, you know, uh, John Carney officially knocking the Saints out of the playoffs, even though they yeah. wouldn't have got there anyway. But that's on a Sunday night. Jesse Palmer, before he was the bachelor, <laughs> Yeah, he's not looking at the stats. And if I, remember, if I remember correctly, <laughs> I, I, I think the, the tight, they might have run out of tight ends in that game. And so, so many of their formations were just – they like they like they, they had to change the playbook like entirely and and they're up by a lot but if you remember they're up by a lot but they keep throwing and essentially Aaron Brooks and the receivers dialed up a bunch of plays on the sidelines in that game which is you know this Great. is the NFL I mean you you like the yeah. you like the, they have, they you, you, the you, you have a you have an incredible work, memory because I'm looking at the box score they have no tight ends catching the ball. There you go. Aaron See, Brooks, 26 so, of 35, 296 <laughs> and five touchdowns. There it is. There it is. I mean, a Pathon caught this one. He, like, dove into the end yeah. zone. So, because they had to – but I still think it's like you had to change the formation. But when you're up by, like, you know, 30, you don't have to keep throwing it. Like, you could still you could still run the ball. But, uh, well, McCarthy, was he still the OC at the time? Yeah. I mean, he, he essentially let them – just do what they wanted in the passing game. And the Giants, you know, I mean, who knows? They're getting their ass whooped. Maybe the, the, the DBs didn't care. It's late in the season. It's it's prime time. Yeah. I, I was at that game, and I, I remember them. Like, it, this wasn't just your tip route. This wasn't your typical, hey, you know, let's look at some photos on the sideline, and let's let, – you're up by 30. You know what I mean? And they're over there, and they're, they're talking to each other. And then I, I heard, a, a, you know, a little birdie told me later, yeah, once they lost the tight end, they threw the game plan out, and when they were up big, they just let the guys do what they wanted. So they just kept throwing the ball, even <laughs> though they were up by a ton. Oh goodness me! Uh, this is good. This is good. Drunk Saints history. It right is. Here, folks. It is. is you, it don't, is. you only get this shit on this podcast, right? Yeah. 
We, I can't remember, I have trouble remembering my own birthday, but like, uh, but like Saints, uh, Saints history, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm golden, right? Here, here's some, uh, here's some other tidbits about Joe Horn that, uh, that, that a birdie told me about. (laughs) It was, okay, this guy was, was was he wanted his teammates to succeed he had a, he had a good heart right he was magnetic yeah he would always wear a different like he loved to go into the locker room last on game day because he always had a different outfit <laughs> it might it might be a three-piece suit it might be some weird camo swag but he always wanted to be the last one in there because he knew the guys you know they ate it up they would react to it um he he was a, he was a pro bowler but he could have been a multi-time All-Pro because guys like Joe Horn liked when people would call him out, not for being this this flamboyant, strong personality. Like no one, no one really got too upset about it because he's you know he he showed up and and he wanted his teammates to succeed. But Aaron Brooks, for as perhaps underappreciated as he is amongst many in the in the fan base, wasn't the best leader. Like he didn't call out Joe Horn on shit and Jim Haslett didn't either. So sometimes in practice or whatever it might be, like Joe was like that kid when you talk about, you know, the the diet and the, he was that he was that kid in school, Ralph, that okay, he's just really smart. He doesn't even really need to study. I mean he can he look, you can count on him. He's gonna make A's, but he doesn't you know, if he studied Hardy harder maybe he could be valedictorian right like that was joe horn the player and nobody on the team like like at least the leaders at the top because joe horn kind of was the guy and i think a lot of the teammates wanted him to be that guy that not only called out other players on their shit when they weren't you know getting it together but also could get called out on shit maybe when he went and putting it all in so you have this weird it's not like he again the the what i've been told is he was a good teammate but he was a he was a pro bowl player a good receiver that could have been maybe the best in the league if he had that second level right whether it be yeah, a like diet, whether the, it be that, calling out thing, all like the, the, those, those has the teams like they were aching for a leader right they because aaron that. aaron they Brooks, needed that. he wasn't the best player on the team and he wasn't a leader. Like your quarterback doesn't necessarily have to be the best player in your team, but if he's not the best player on your team and he's not the leader, that's a bad combination. So there was always like this void. And Joe Horn would like try to fill it, but it wasn't his nature, right? I remember like in two thousand four. I think, the, when I they, think were they wanted him to do it more. I think the players wanted him to do it more because he had that respect. But he just but he did. But he didn't know how, like, I remember, like, he was, like, when the Saints were losing in 2004 and they were terrible, like, before they went on the winning streak, Joe Horn was, like, I got so upset, and I was driving around uh, looking for Aaron Brooks' house to talk to him, and I couldn't find his house, and Buddy (laughs) D was, like, you don't know where your teammate's house is? Like, and you're driving around looking for him? Like, that's weird. And, yeah, but it's like totally Joe Horn. Yeah. Like, like he, he, he like wanted to be the leader and try to be the leader, but he like, he, could, he didn't know how to pull it off, but he knew that like somebody had to do it. But like, it just wasn't like Joe Horn's, like, like it just wasn't his person. Like Joe Horn was the guy who's like, I'm going to come to work. I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to be awesome. But I'm not really going to lead. And, like, there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people, like, like at work. And you, you probably know people at your job or whatever. Do they, they, like, they come to work. They're dependable. You're like, maybe I wish she would do this. I wish she would do that and be doing this. But they just, like, can't or they don't want to or they don't know how. And, like, that was Joe Horn. Like, he was great at being a receiver, but he just, like, wasn't, a, you know, he wasn't a leader. Like, but, like, kind of like Colston, but, like, the Colston was the polar opposite. Where like Colston never said anything interesting ever no. in his whole time with the and Saints, he didn't, and he didn't have to be like that. You know, Peyton's yeah. teams have had uh, well, not every year, but most years they've had they've had some strong leadership. And uh, and Joe was man. I and, and and you know we're talking about you know some of the things that that he could have done better. But overall, you know, for for him to spend even though it was only one year, Ralph, for him to spend one year with the Falcons and still be a 
for the most part, beloved member of of the franchise the Saints, yeah. all time, that says a hell of a lot because that's that's one thing, man. It's it's hard to forgive that, you know. Even though, look, he, he, they offered him a contract, the Saints kind of had moved on, like financially. I well, mean, last the, time I interviewed him, I gave him shit because I, I I told him my my mom owned his jersey, and he was like, "Oh man, your mom's awesome." And then she, I was like, "Well, yeah, but she got rid of it when you joined the Falcons." He's like, "Oh." He's like, I hope, I hope she didn't. I don't remember what exactly what he said. I'll send you the audio. But it was. Well, he's my, like, "Oh, she didn't blame me. I just, you know, they offered me a contract." Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Joe Horn. Like, it didn't end well with him. And 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 I, and, and, and 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 you talk about your mom. My mom. I go to the games with her too. And and she, she loved Joe Horn too. And and she, and, and and I always believe in her thing. You know, it. Joe Horn. He was injured in 2006. He he started getting injured. He was in decline. And the Saints went to the playoffs, and they won in Philadelphia. He didn't play. He desperately wanted to play in that Chicago game, and he felt like he was healthy. And Sean Payton didn't play him. And it and from people that I know, like they said, it broke Joe Warren's heart. Like he wanted to play in that game. He felt like he could have made a difference. And the thing is, like we talked about it, he got injured in the first series against the Rams in the 2000 playoff game, so he never played yeah. in a game where. You got Willie Jackson scoring touchdowns. Robert Wilson. This Aaron Brooks is torching. The Rams' defense was the worst defense in the NFL. Oh, I think it might have been oh. one of the worst in history up to that point. Like Joe Horn in that playoff game. Like if he plays, he's catching ten for a bucks fifty and three, and he's like not only he's a legend with the Saints, but he's like a legend, and he like helped them win the first playoff game. So it, it'd be he'd be he'd have like exalted status, right? And the Saints they were close to the playoffs a couple times, but they never got back. And then in 2006 they're back, but he's hurt, and Sean Payton doesn't play him, and it just the ending was messy with Joe Horn, and I don't blame the guy. Like like he had his heart broken twice. Like you get to the playoffs. Two times in your career with the Saints, and both times you can't go. Like I under, like I totally, like I totally got why the Saints released him, but I totally got why he was just at the end. He was not on good terms with the Saints and and Sean Payton to a certain extent. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, he he played one snap of a playoff game. Did it, I just it, say it, Sean and, Payton? And, I'm really and they, and they threw him the pass, and he didn't catch it, and he got hurt, and that was that was it. His so his entire career. Um, you know that that's that's his playoff. You know that's his playoff resume. I mean, you remember, you said it well, Ralph. Like I, I, I like I, I loved him so much as a Saints fan when he played on the team, and he would he could just make you laugh with his quotes. You know, I remember Chidi Ahanatu was his defensive end for the for the Rams, and Joe, this is like 2000, 2001. Saints Rams hated each other, right? They, I mean, they couldn't stand each other. Greatest show on turf. I mean, it was just this great hated rivalry at the time. And Joe Warren would talk a bunch of trash about him. You know, we won three or four. How can they call it a rivalry? And Chidi Ohanatu was like, man, Joe Warren's running his mouth, and he's always talking trash. I'm coming to see him. And, and the reporters give that quote to Horn, and his response is, who, who is that? They're like, Chidi Ohanatu, he's like, who is that? Like, he plays for the Rams. He's like, I don't, I don't know. Not, not like the I don't care about him. Like his tone was like, you, you, like he just cracked me up. He was funny. He he just he he cared about the team. He would catch those big passes where he would like his celebration. Ralph, it's like he would start having like like see like a seizure. He would just start like jiggling all over. I remember he, just, he wouldn't throw the ball. He just kind of drop it and then just <laughs> do this little first down thing. And you you remember all that stuff finally, and I do too. And yet we we I don't say I'm, we forget. But we overlooked how freaking good he was on the field. I remember in the 2000 season, the Saints, Aaron Brooks' first start was against the Rams. And Joe Horn didn't have a big, like if you look at his stats, they're not great in that game. But I remember he drew a pass interference penalty on, I believe it was Todd Light. And he celebrated it like he caught a touchdown. (laughs) And I remember, I want to say... Todd Light wanted to fucking murder him because it was a big play at like the end of the game and like Joe Horn so he, like celebrate like he drew the flag and game? I think like it was a clear pass like it wasn't a clear pass in front is one of those where you're like I don't know but as a Saints fan you're like hell yes it is but he celebrated like he caught a pass and Todd Light wanted to murder him and it was just it was just that's just like that sums up Joe Horn like he made a play. 
in a critical point of the game, even if the play was drawing a flag, I'm going to celebrate. And it's just like, if he's not on your team, you want to strangle him to death. But if he's on your team, you're like, I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fan base loved him. Um, you know, uh, his, te- his teammates loved him. And he was um, a-, a time when receivers kind of had the limelight bigger than any other position in that era. Yeah. And he was able to put the Saints, you know, on. I mean, Ed Warder would always interview him after games, and you know, Joe would take the mic and say, "Ed Warder, he, like people yeah. liked him. He was in the Pro Bowls. He he made big plays, and he was this household name. You know, uh, Chris Berman called him the Joe Little Bighorn. You know, Kari uh, on WWL would call him Joe. Likes to toot his own horn. He had the Joe Horn show." You know, he he did things at a time when Saints fans were looking for a big personality, not on a losing team, on a winner. And granted, you know, they didn't win in a while. Yeah, but here's the thing. You know, they had two seven, nine seasons and an eight and eight season. But that 2000 season and how good he was, because even in the seasons where you're like mediocre, right? That's when you really, I think, latch on to the to the big bright spots. And he was always one of those bright spots in the Haslett era. I mean, after Katrina, his support in New Orleans and the Gulf region. I mean, he, he was, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the public face of the team during yeah. that Katrina season. You know, he, yeah. he, I mean, he would, he would, ESPN would focus on him a lot. He would visit evacuees. He would donate time, energy, money. Yeah, and he was, the guy, he was the guy when they went back in 2006 after I have a soundbite somewhere on an iPod somewhere where, like, he talked to ESPN and he's like, you know, I'm happy for us, but I'm happy for the fans. We went through a lot as players. But the fans and the city, they went through a lot, and this is for them. I mean, that's who it was. But the thing about Joe Horn is he knew what the media wanted, and he gave yeah. it to oh, them. Yeah. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. Like, players, they want to make money off the field. You want Like, Joe Horn understood that Ed Werder or whoever in the national media, they wanted a fun soundbite. Joe Horn understood that after games, right? He gave it to them. Or when the Saints lost, he was mad. He gave it to him then. So like, and that's not a bad thing. Like players, I wish players were more like Joe Horn and understood intuitively like what the media wanted. Because if you give the media what they want, they'll forgive you and leave you the fuck alone. And just like forgive your transgressions if you're nice to them. But if you fuck the media over, when trouble hits, they kill you. You know. Um, and, and I, did you, you know, and, and then they ask him to take a pay cut and yeah. he doesn't, he goes to the Falcons. What we like, how did you feel as a Saints fan being <sighs> that, okay, you, you asked to be, you asked to be released because you didn't want to take the pay cut, but that team, like, I mean, and then look, they signed him to a $15 million deal. He only yeah, and he got like eight million. I mean, at the time I wasn't mad because I, I, like, looked at it then, and I was like, Joe Horn is old. He's starting to break down. He's had two bumpy years in a row. Like, he's in his mid-30s. Like, it's not going to go well for him. I looked at it as, like, he's stealing $8 million of Arthur Blank's money because he's not going to be any good because he's, he's, he's done. So I wasn't, that, I wasn't that mad at him. I guess I'd have been more mad, Scott, if it had been, like, Morton Anderson or, like, Joe Horn had left and he had continued to be good. But like he was done, it yeah. was it was a fork in him. He was done. So like I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't that mad about it, and I laugh about it, and like me and Kevin Hell fight over it. Like I'm just like I gotta give it to Joe Horn. He went to Atlanta and stole eight million dollars of Arthur Blank's money. I think it's the greatest, might be the greatest Saints move <laughs> to Atlanta ever because he just fucked over the Falcons. So it wasn't. Well, I wasn't that mad about it. But uh, if he would have played well, I think it would have been different. So, have you ever had the Bayou 87 barbecue sauce? I have not. I've heard it's good. I I, I had it once. Um, he was in Lafayette once at a Rouse's, and he was I selling a bunch of it. I your ass, Hell yeah. My friend bought, like, like, ten bottles from him. And I think Joe was <laughs> holding some contest, like, hey, you know, somebody that buys a bottle, I'll come watch the Super Bowl at your house. My buddy was hoping he'd, he'd just show up at his house. Nice. That didn't happen. <laughs> but, he, you know, Joe probably went somewhere. But I, I remember I, I got to try it. He had some. It was it was, it was good. I'll give it to him. You but know, like, the- I'm not exactly a barbecue connoisseur, so I may not be the best judge of it. 
But you know what? It depends I, what I, you there's like. Some barbecue sauces I think are gross. I'm like, I don't, I don't like how. I just don't like any of it. I, uh, I, I put it all over my burger that day, and then I ended up dipping some fries in it. So I'm, yeah, I'm it, down with I my like, UAs. The thing about Joe Horn, we'll get two last things, and then we'll get out of here. Is one is, uh, I, I think his 2004, the 1399 yards, and um, let's see, uh, 2000. I want to put, I want to get it. Right, ninety four. I think he had ninety four catches. I think he had eleven touchdowns. Ninety four catches, so eleven touchdowns, thirteen hundred and ninety nine yards, fourteen point nine a catch. I think it's the greatest receiving season in the history of Saints. I think it's better than Jimmy Graham in twenty eleven, and I think it's better than anything you. Colson I'm, did. I, I, I'm with you there, Ralph. I mean, you it's know, it's, it's it is, and when you consider uh, the Saints' offense didn't have you know, a hundred different elite weapons or, you know, spread it out the way that say, you know, a Peyton Breeze team would. The point is, you know, there, there are a lot of teams that got to double that guy. I mean, that guy's yeah. carrying a lot of the baggage on a team that, you know, if Doug Bryan makes a freaking field goal, I'm sorry, I'm getting pissed off thinking about it with, <laughs> they the, go with to the Jets and, and beats the Rams and don't lose an overtime, that Saints team, which was four and eight at one point ends up going to the playoffs. But yeah. Horn was, uh, Horn was unbelievable that year, and um, that was his last great season. You know, I mean, he'd ever yeah. played a 16-game season again. That 4 season uh, was his last healthy season, and you saw what he did with it. I mean, I think he averaged like 15 yards a clip. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, was it was still it, – it was it – was he had I, – I, I love Joe Horn, man. Like, as a Saints fan, he's one of those guys that um, – even with that year in Atlanta. And I like the way you phrased it, right? He didn't go there and ball. He kind of just took their money. So we were, we're looking at it wrong if we're, if we're a little bitter about it. He, uh, he's a guy that I think, I think yeah, tried and, true Saints fans are always going to love. And, and, and the thing about it, too, and we, we totally forgot this, 2005, if, and, and look, Sports Illustrated, their website, they have, you can go and you can search their archives and you can read any article they've ever put in their magazine, and it's free, I believe. If you have time, go to their archive and read the story after the storm from 2005 when the Saints, they it was after Katrina and they opened the year in Carolina. The Joe Horn quotes and him in that story is amazing because the Saints were winning that whole game in 05, the whole Carolina game. They were winning the entire game, but Carolina comes back and ties it, and Joe Horn is on the sideline, and he is losing his fucking mind, and he is like, we cannot lose this game, we are winning this game, get me the ball, and in a play, at the, he, in that game he caught he caught five for sixty five, but he looked he had a play where he looked at he looked at Aaron Brooks, and Aaron Brooks looked at him. And they just knew on what the coverage was. It wasn't even audible. Joe 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 Horn runs the route, uh, catches a catches a twenty five yard pass. Carney hits the field goal. The Saints win. It's a great story. It's probably the only highlight of two thousand five, right? But yeah. read that story. It just encapsulates to me, Scott, everything we loved about Joe Horn. You you'll you'll go to Sports Illustrated, read that story after the storm, and you'll love fucking Joe Horn all over again. Oh yeah, Saints you know. Hall of Famer and uh, eighty-seven jersey. If you want to rock one on game day uh, today, you know it's, it's one of those Saints jerseys, Ralph. That you, you can, can wear it, it many years later, and it's 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 not only is acceptable, it's cool, right? You yeah. see someone wearing a retro orange jersey, you're like, all right, I'm I'm good. With it. Especially I'm the more we get away from it. I mean, it's been over ten years since he played. Yeah, it's down, Scott, brother. Thanks for joining us again. So, people, again, uh, find. Give out your Twitter handle. I'm too drunk. I'm too drunk. I'll butcher it. Give it to the. Person. There it is. It's uh, it's Scott uh, underscore fourteen twenty, and uh, you tell can them how find to find the, the think tank on the the great sports think tank. Tell them how to find it. Uh, great sports callers open think tank. Great Scott show. We uh, ESPN fourteen twenty app. We've got that. You can uh, you can listen to live programming. Um, download the ESPN fourteen twenty app. We got stories up there, a lot of saying stuff. I'm always tweeting out stuff. We got SoundCloud account. You can, you know, anytime I talk to Ralph, I know he, uh, he retweets <laughs> stuff there. But yep. 
you know, especially when we pick up stuff in Saints season, you know, you and I a couple of months ago had a great topic about, you know, the, the, the player that the Saints let leave in free agency that went on to thrive and flourish yeah. elsewhere. We had the best. We also that, did. That got, that got our audience going. We too, also man. did. We, we discussed that for days. We, we also did the, the, the most famous number one uh, Saints celebrity fan. And I went kind of off the road. I went Ellen as the number one fan. I explained it. I thought, I can't remember how I explained it now, but I explained it pretty well, I think. Uh, well, I've had too you know, much. Like I've had you too said, much. like I've if had the Saints too much. win the Super Bowl, you know, Ellen's going to be there on the field filming bits, you know, part, you know, making it a big thing. You know, Brad Pitt, kind of a Saints fan. I think, look, I think Ellen's the way to go. I think you can throw Harry Connick Jr. in there. If you're Hodakati, about, too. You know, yeah, yeah, the, that's that's big time there. I think they're probably the biggest celebrity fans, and uh, I hell, I love it. I mean, the, the stuff Ellen did with Drew Brees. Now we're getting off on another topic, yeah. but I bet you Ellen would rock an '87 <laughs> Horn jersey, right? Yeah, she would. Ellen, Ellen might even write. My Ellen might rock the uh, Marcus Davenport jersey. But on that note, Scott, uh, drunk lady. I mean a. British lady, take us out. Thanks to all of our Saints Happy Hour listeners whose donations made Drunk Saints History possible. Until next time, remember, surviving Saints History is hard. That's why God made alcohol. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.